The Apostle Paul's before a pagan king given his testimony, and he concludes his testimony with this. King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. My question to you this morning is, have you received the heavenly vision from the Father? The Apostle Paul did. He received the heavenly vision, and all of us, I believe, can receive that, and we'll, we'll see the things that uh, he received from his heavenly vision, which I believe that we all should receive as a heavenly vision for us, and maybe we'll apply them in different places than the Apostle Paul did. I'm going to start reading in Acts chapter 26, verses, uh, I'm going to start in 9, I think I've published to start in 12, but it kind of gives us a context here, reaching verse 12. So Acts 26, 9, Paul's talking again to this pagan king. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my, in my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. About noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground. I heard a voice to me in Aramaic saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. I ask, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Verse 16, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appointed you, I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I have not been disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and to the Gentiles also, I have preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds." The first thing that I want to point out in this heavenly vision is that we can have an earthbound vision or we can have a heaven-inspired vision. And what's an earthbound vision? An earthbound vision is just commissioned by man. And that's how Paul started out. He had a commissioning from the chief priests and those that were against Christianity, against Jesus followers of that day. He had a commission to put them in prison, to punish them, to prove theologically why they were not correct. That was his commission. That was his assignment. But it was an earthbound assignment. It was not heaven-inspired. Dennis has a heaven-inspired vision. He knows that he can't do it on his own, but with God all things are possible. And you heard that today, the testimony that's come forth, even from his own life experiences and how Jesus has overcome those things. And now he's doing great things today to transform communities. Uh, 
Well, the Apostle Paul, again, was on his earthbound assignment. And he was headed to Damascus, a foreign city. And suddenly, on the way, things happened that were not what he predicted would happen. He was a voice. It says, the scripture says, it was brighter than the sun. So if you want to know how bright Jesus is, there it is, brighter than the sun. That's pretty bright, isn't it? And Jesus came to him and said, Paul, you've got the wrong message. I want to give you a vision that is not earthbound. I want to give you a, a heaven-inspired vision. You're persecuting me. Stop it. The apostle Paul didn't know what he was doing because he had a vision from man and not from God. And so suddenly we see that Paul had his eyes opened. Well, in reality, he became blind for three days, but his spiritual eyes were opened. And as a result, then he began to embrace this heavenly vision that he is testifying before a pagan king, as I just read this morning. The second thing that, about this vision is the heavenly vision is imparted. It's imparted to him. He says, First of all, he says, who are you, Lord? And the answer came back. It was a voice, Jesus himself saying, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And so Jesus spoke from heaven directly to the apostle Paul. And we say, well, I don't know that I am looking for that kind of experience. And yet there's something that happens in, in all of us at times where there's, there's something inside of us that connects as we're reading the word or maybe hearing someone preach or maybe we're in prayer. And, and even though we might not have had a, an experience as like the Apostle Paul of a light shining from heaven brighter than the sun, but yet the, the, the impact of hearing God personally is just as equal with what Paul heard. It transformed his life. And many of you can share about how your life has been transformed, not just once, but maybe many times through your Christian life as you've heard the Lord and he's brought you from glory to glory for a, a new place in, in, uh, in your life. Well, the Apostle Paul, as he heard the Lord, this is what, what was spoken to him about this heavenly vision. He said, first, he says, I'm going to give you an appointment. And that appointment is I want you to be a servant. So as he Paul, called Paul to be a leader, that wrote three-quarters of the New Testament, the first assignment he was given is to be a servant. And lots of times we don't think about that. We think about people that lead, but leaders, first of all, serve. And when they, they, they serve the Lord and they serve one another, suddenly then their leadership ability comes forth. I was in a meeting yesterday pondering the whole idea of servant leadership, which is the only leadership model that works. And what I realized is that when you start as a leader, that's oftentimes an incredible asset to have because as you serve somebody, you gain authority in their life. As you, as you go back and, and do things for people that they don't expect to be done, you do it out of the love of Christ. You actually gain their authority to listen to you that otherwise they wouldn't if you're just bossing them around. And so the Apostle Paul was appointed, first of all, to be a servant. And I was at this meeting yesterday, and I realized that that's a strength of a servant. And then the Lord pointed out to me a weakness. And that is a weakness in servant ministry is oftentimes you do everything yourself. And you don't learn how to delegate. In fact, that's part of my journey. 
I'm a servant leader. I love to serve people. And then I reached a place to say, if I do all this myself, I'm going to burn out and be no good for anybody. And I had to learn delegation when actually I love doing things myself, but I realized if this is going to grow the way God intends it, I've got to learn how to delegate. And then when you delegate, you learn how, you learn how to be a cheerleader. And that's what the Apostle Paul was. He was a cheerleader for Timothy and Titus and all the churches that were growing he wasn't out there doing it all himself, but he started out as a servant. And the second thing God said, I've appointed you in this heavenly inspired vision is to be a witness. What a witness does is really two things. You only say what you've seen and what you've heard. If you've ever been called into a witness stand, that's really all you have what you have seen and what you have heard. You would never say what you heard someone else say or what you think that you might have seen. No, you stick with the facts as a witness. You only say what you've seen and heard, and that's an inspired vision. And, and, and the Lord said to Apostle Paul, that's what I want you to be. First a servant, second a witness. And then he, the Apostle Paul, where was his starting place after he was converted? He started preaching what he knew, and then he grew from there. And that's the way you and I do. When we come into Christ, we turn around and we share only what we know. The only thing that Apostle Paul knew at that point is that now Jesus was the Messiah. That's the only thing he knew. And so he began to preach that, which was so confusing to those that were heard him the day before saying Jesus was not the Messiah. Now the day after, Jesus is the Messiah. And they're like, wow, what happened to this guy? Well, he met Jesus. He's risen from the dead. He is the Messiah. And the Apostle Paul was, was proclaiming that. Now, we have to understand that the Apostle Paul learned more about Jesus. He grew in his faith. He didn't just preach only Jesus is the Messiah and put a period at the end. No, he grew in understanding. He got firsthand revelation about Jesus. And the same in our lives. We, after we are born again, there's things that God wants us to show us about his nature and his character that we don't know yet. And so we learn as we grow, as we read a word, as we fellowship, as we pray. We learn about the nature and purpose of God. And churches should grow the same way. We shouldn't be the same as last year. We should have a new revelation, not a new foundation, but a new revelation based on the foundation that is put in place that never changes. We should have a fresh revelation about who God is as we go through life. Churches shouldn't be the same. They should be dynamic. We should come here next year at this time and sense something different about Crossroads than we did last year because we've grown in our faith. But when Apostle Paul started out, he simply started out preaching what he knew. In fact, if he was so bold in what he knew, if they, the, his friends actually had to take him out of the area or the people would have killed him. He was so bold and so tenacious about what he preached. And they said, man, you've got to temper this a little bit. Not water it down, but temper it a little bit. You're going to get killed before you start. And the Apostle Paul uh, listened to those around him in the council, but he had this heavenly vision that he was inspired with. I, uh, I, I read an article recently about a guy that wrote a book, and I, I, I really don't know what the book's about. His article inspired me because in his article, 
He actually said that when he wrote his book, he recognized now there was a fundamental flaw in what he wrote about his book. And so he wrote this article to publish to say, I missed something fundamental in my book. And here's my article that updates what I understood now. I was like, wow, hats off to that guy. Because so many times people write books and they have a message based on the book. And so they never change their message because they have to sell their books. Even though their message, uh, God wants them to grow them past that message, they stay with the message because it's in the book rather than go past and write another book to update that book. See what I mean? So the Apostle Paul kept updating with Jesus and he's standing before this, this king and saying that he is, uh, wanted to... Uh, uh, He's just giving witness about the fact of what he's learned through his whole life. He's nearly at the end of his life before he goes to Rome, and then his life is taken, I think, two years after he got in Rome. Number three, the heavenly vision lived. What is the heavenly vision lived? It says, I received from you, again, the Lord is talking to him in verse 17 and 18, I, I will rescue you from your own people, from the Gentiles, and I am sending you to them. Wow. He says, I'm going to rescue you from your own people, and then I'm going to send you back to them. That's tough. But oftentimes that's what happens, particularly in other faiths, that they such have a revelation of Jesus that they say, I need to go back and tell my family. They, and people say, caution them and say, no, you're going to be killed. They say, I don't care. I need to go back and tell my family the truth. I've found the truth, then I need to share it with them. The very people they come out of in order to receive the truth, God sends them back to to share the truth. And that's a part of the heavenly inspired vision that he gave the apostle Paul. There's several things that are in this vision that, uh, that I want to just highlight here real briefly. He says, first of all, to rescue from, to send them back, and sending them back to them. So rescue from, sending back. That's the first thing. There's kind of a phenomena because of the world in which we live, how we can easily be captured with things are on the other side of the globe and get so emotionally fixed on what's going on on the other side of the globe that we neglect What's right in front of us? I don't know about you, but I was really captured about that young five-year-old boy in Morocco that fell down the well, and you know his family's trying to dig to get him out, and just you know for several days I was just like emotionally captured by praying for, thinking about the father that turned his back and his five-year-old son ran across the back of the yard and fell into this hundred-foot well, and they're trying to get him out and. And the end of the story didn't turn out well. And, and, and yet, you know, I, this all I could do is pray. And yet sometimes we get, we, our, our saturated media life, we can get so captured and emotionally taken in with things that are happening around the world that we really can't do anything about besides pray. And yet we neglect the very things that are right in front of us that perhaps we should be involved in. And I'm sure there's a balance in that, but, but uh, that, that can happen to us. First of all, Paul says to Agrippa, he says, I've been, uh, this heavenly inspired vision is first of all to open people's eyes. To open people's eyes. And obviously the Lord needs to do that. But what does it mean to open their eyes? It means for them to become aware. To become 
curious. Why are you doing that? To become even jealous of what we have or what we're doing. So open their eyes. That's a part of the heavenly vision. The next is to turn them from darkness to light. Turn them from darkness to light. We're involved with an organization that has identified the 100 most darkest cities in the world. 100 most darkest cities in the world. And I'm not talking about the absence of electricity. I'm talking about evil or those that practice another religion rather than Christianity. And April the 28th, we've been invited to, to be a part of a prayer engagement that is going to focus on 25 of these, these uh, 100 darkest cities. And the assignment that, that we've been given is uh, really goes along with my next point there is to turn from the power of Satan to the power of God. The assignment that we've been given is that there's a certain faith that for 30 days they basically uh, kind of uh, fast and, and, and retool themselves to serve their God, which is a false God. But on the 27th day, every time during this 30-day process, they ask for a fresh revelation from their God on the 27th day. And we've been invited to join with other churches around the world praying that when this, this, these people which are, have a false God, but they're asking for a fresh revelation, we're going to join with other Christians that God's going to show up with dreams and visions and signs and wonders and show them who the real God is rather than the false one that they serve. So that's coming up on the 28th of April. You'll be hearing more about that. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to say the city at this point and what we're going to do, but have some things in mind. It's going to be exciting about what God does. But people are under the spell of darkness in the world. We have to recognize that. And uh, they, they, their eyes need to be opened. They need to uh, turn from darkness to light. And obviously we can pray that. We can be a servant to them. We can be a witness to them. But obviously it's something that God has to do in his own power and yet he's appointed us to be involved in that heavenly vision. What's the purpose? Two things. That they would receive forgiveness. That's what the Paul says. That they would be forgiven of their sins. And also be placed among the faithful. To live among, be a faithful follower of Jesus. And that's really what we're called to do. The heavenly vision. That we're called to come out of darkness into his marvelous light. And to, also, to, to, uh, to serve others. And to witness to others. And to recognize that as we do that, God will use that in our, in our own lives as he did the Apostle Paul. And so then he gets to verse 26. And the Apostle Paul looks at the king and he says, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. And I think that there's something about that heavenly vision that he gave the Apostle Paul that we can all relate to. And I believe that when we get before Jesus... At, at, at a day and time in our lives, that we should be able to say, as we look him in the eyes, to say, I've not been disobedient to the vision that you've given me for my town and my place. You know, talk about darkest places in, in the world. I, I ask a, a Winchester police officer, where are the darkest places in Winchester? I suspected where they were, and he verified. There's three different areas in our city that he says that it's very common for police cars to 
be in any one of those three areas. So what if we, along with other churches in this area, would decide, you know what, we're going to prayer walk. We're going to talk with those people. We're going to pray with those people. What would happen to those areas, I guarantee you, they would be changed from darkness to light if we would engage in that way. You know, when I first came to Winchester, everybody talked about uh, Kent Street, you know, what's going on in Kent Street. Kent Street is different now than it was 20 years ago. I mean, you look at the housing, you go down to, it's different. There's a whole atmosphere change in that particular street that when I came, it wasn't that way. It was like talked about. But there were churches that went up and down that street and prayed and talked to people many, many times. And I think that's a result of Kent Street changing is the people of God got out and walked the streets and prayed with the people and then God brought about transformation. So it works because God's at work. We have to ask ourselves, what is the heavenly vision that God has given us? Not just here, but also in other nations he may take to us. Because I've found as I've traveled in other nations, I don't know how many I've been to, not as many as Teresa. Teresa, she's not here this morning, but she's been to, or Joni, she's been to like 24, 25 nations. Uh, principal of Eukarya has been all over the world and back. But uh, the ones that I've been to, I've noticed that the problems that they have are very similar to the problems that we have. They, they, they sometimes look a little different, but they, they always have problems with their children. They have problems in their marriage. They have problems in their parenting. They have uh, problems finding a job that works for them. Now again, in, in, in nations such as Haiti, sometimes you know, just finding adequate food is a problem. We don't necessarily deal with that one. Uh, or, or finding proper housing is a problem. We don't deal with that one. But there probably was a time in our nation when we did. I mean, if you look back in the history of the United States of America, there's times that we struggled over those things. That's why we got Thanksgiving. Because previously there wasn't enough food. <laughs> and then, you know, through the help of, of the Native Americans that were here and those that came and taught us and we were humble enough to receive from them, suddenly we had food. And we have the, the honor and the privilege of, of helping other nations get back to the place they can feed themselves and educate themselves and, 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 and come to the level. Uh, not that we've arrived, obviously. Uh, we have other problems in America as a result of our prosperity, and that happens. But there is a heavenly vision that I believe the Lord would have every one of us carry. And that we, we recognize that some of it is generic. It's, it's being a servant. It's being a witness. It's, it's, it's opening people's eyes. Maybe sharing some truth. Maybe some statistics they have not thought about. Maybe that, that there's times when, when people are under the power of Satan. We live in a society that say all oh, that spiritual stuff is just doesn't exist anymore. It's all about science. Well, science can't solve a demon. I'm sorry, but the church can. The blood of Jesus can. And science never will solve a demon. It might medicate him for a while, but it won't, won't get him out. It won't stay, keep him free. So we have to realize there's some things that the church has that, that the world and science will never solve. And that's a part of the heavenly vision that you and I carry. Amen.
Stand up with me and let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Your blue sheet that you have in your your bulletin, if you have one on the back, is an opportunity, if you would uh, care to, to fill out your name and and maybe check a place. Maybe you want to start giving regularly to missions or maybe one of those listed on the front. Again, these are all opportunities. They're not obligations. But we want to make sure that it captures your heart. Maybe you have a place that you'd like to go and the world makes the difference that God's put on your heart and uh, you've never been to before. That's the way it started with Keith. He just uh, was, you know, coming to the end of his career and there was an opportunity to go and he went. And he went back and he went back and all of a sudden now he owns a house there and he's got a wife from there and uh, you single people, just kidding. You know, God does amazing things when we just step out of our comfort zone, but yeah. Anyhow, just opportunity there. This Obviously, there's uh, things to look and purchase the bridge. I, I believe we're going to have two bridges before we're done and uh, over troubled waters, right? Happy people over get the bridge over troubled waters settled. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for allowing us to, to just come and, and get a fresh vision from you about the world that you've put us in, Lord. And today, God, if we listen to the world talk about itself, it's very discouraging and, and, and uh, even disappointing and, and frustrating at times. But Lord, when we look to you and the vision you have for the world, it's exciting. It's a place to go, yeah, we get to be here at this time. Yeah, we get to exercise this kind of faith. Yeah, we get to serve this person. Yeah, we get to witness. Yeah, we get to, wow, we should be excited, Lord. And I pray, God, today that you would just uh, release over those listening uh, here in this place as well as online, God, a fresh revelation of your vision as Paul received. It was an inspired vision from heaven. And none of us are exempt and all of us are able to receive that. And I pray, God, that if we find ourselves cloudy about what that vision might be, that, Lord, you would just clarify it. Clarify it in this moment. Clarify it in in these days, Lord, so that we can, like the Apostle Paul, stand before whoever and say, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. I want to take this moment just to ask if maybe there's someone here that says, I've yet to yield my life to Jesus Christ. But this morning I'm feeling the tug of the Spirit to yield my life to Jesus Christ and to make Him Lord and follow. That's what the Apostle Paul did on his journey. He thought he was doing God's will and actually opposing it. Maybe you think that you're living according to God's plan and a realization is maybe I'm not I need to yield my life maybe for the first time or maybe for a, a, a refreshing to say I want to yield my life to receive this heavenly vision this vision that you want to impart to me maybe you're cloudy on the vision it starts with really yielding your life I want to give you opportunity. Anybody here, just quickly raise your hand to say, I want to yield my life to Jesus Christ. Someone here this morning, okay. Anybody else? Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Father, I thank you, Father, that you are working 
You never stop working, Lord. And God, we just pray that you would come and bring forth your fullness in this heavenly vision that you want to impart to all of us, wherever we're at, God. We don't need to be any place special as long as you're there. We don't need to be in another nation, God. We can work in our own community, Father. So we thank you for this celebration of Mission Sunday. You are a global God, and you have a global agenda. That is that all would know you and call you Lord. That's your agenda, God, because you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to die for us. And so we thank you. We enter into your agenda and receive your vision for us this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. What a day together. Again, you can look at uh, what's back there and uh, as a